Welcome to the Nourished Woman podcast, hosted by yours truly, Gabby Warsrink, holistic nutritionist and passionate women's health educator. Together on this podcast, we are going to open up the conversation around hormones, holistic healing, relationships, self-development, and everything in between, so you can feel empowered, educated, and ready to take your health and life into your own hands. Right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're all doing well and staying safe and healthy. On today's episode, I have a really fun guest, Courtney Croucher. She is just finishing up her fourth year at Western University in London, Ontario. She has a huge passion for women's studies and feminism and is the host of the Strategic Slut podcast. So thank you so much for coming on today, Courtney. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about yourself and why you started your podcast. For sure. So I, so like you said, I'm a double major in women's studies at Western. Um, When I entered my university career, I had no idea what feminism was. I was completely ignorant to any of these topics. Um, But I always had this thing that I, like, I loved the taboo topics. I loved anything that people hated Mm -hmm. discussing or kind of made them uncomfortable. And it just led to me being very curious about not getting the answers I've wanted and things like that. So I kind of just kept reading and learning everything I could get my hands on. And then being a double major in women's studies, I learned a lot about the ideas around sex and how we learn about it, sexuality, those kinds of things. And everyone's so hush-hush about these topics behind closed doors. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're still all doing it and struggling with struggling with it and all those things so I want to know why we're interested in it but not talking about it and the best way to open a conversation is creating a podcast (laughs) so the whole Mm -hmm. idea of the podcast is to kind of open the discussion surrounding sex dating love and kind of how we think about those things traditionally and then kind of pulling from my feminist background and studies and seeing how we can think of things in a different way, but also an intersectional way of, um, you know, how race and class and these things define your experience, not only sexually, but throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful. And yeah, it's it always blows my mind that there's these topics like sex being one of them that everyone is so interested about and always wants to talk about, but people are afraid to, or there's still yeah. so many taboos, especially around women talking about it. Yeah. And I also, yeah, I also really love the Skinny Confidential um, and the way that Lauren Everts and her husband, Michael Bostick, were bringing on taboo topics, like the discussions that I kind of was always intrigued by. And they would actually talk about how their highest numbers um, and ratings on their podcast episodes were about the taboo topics, but it would have less comments. Like people wouldn't be in the discussion but they were listening kind of you know silently mm-hmm. like in with headphones on type thing so I thought that was really intrig- yeah. intriguing because people uh-huh. are listening to it but they're not talking about it so you know how can we make yes. these things normalized and you know less demonizing mm-hmm. for women specifically you know you're in a coffee shop talking mm-hmm. about orgasms and you're having to whisper <laughs> like it's kind of a funny thing <laughs> 
Yeah, you feel like some kind of shame around it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. I collaborated with the company um, a little while ago, uh, and it was about sex toys and just opening up this conversation of Mm -hmm. women and, you know, masturbation and sex and not having those taboos or that shame around it. And I was really worried and like, I didn't want to do it at first. And I was like, hey, Mm -hmm. that's a sign that I need to do it (laughs) because- This is just, we need to start opening the conversation and yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable for the first few people that are doing it, but so many people appreciate it and, you know, appreciate the work that you're doing and other people like Lauren that are opening up that conversation and uh, helping other people through it or just allowing them to speak about it um, freely and not feeling shame, right? Yeah. And I think, especially with like Mm -hmm. sex toys, I mean, I remember my friends and I, we never discussed things like that until god like maybe a year or two ago like we were all so hush hush about that mm-hmm. even in our circles and we're quite blunt about <laughs> you know things just like <laughs> dating and you know whatever yeah. hookups but when it came to like self care I want to say um aka masturbation yeah. we never talked about those things and now we're we've gotten to this place I think with a lot of at least the women's circles I'm in we can be like hey what's your favorite vibrator <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm on Amazon right now <laughs> you know and things like that so I think it's a really cool way to normalize like like why do, you know why is it so demonizing for women where boys at very young ages are taught that that's so normal and they're taught like how to mm-hmm. do so as well which is so strange <laughs> yeah and like encourage and then for us it's just like no one talks about it it's like it's not a thing <laughs> yeah and then it goes into our sexual experiences whether you're heterosexual or if you're a lesbian whatever um it impacts the way you experience sex and pleasure and mm-hmm. you probably don't experience that if you don't know your own body so I think it's just so important and there's so many layers and I actually took a how-to sex ed course in my third year of women's studies. And it was all about the ways that we actually, like, it was criticizing how sex ed is taught in the education system and Mm -hmm. all the issues, especially within North America, of how we're not given the proper education, but then, you know, teen pregnancy rates and STD rates are skyrocketing. So not only is it like an important conversation, but it's also like a health thing too, that I think we really need to find a way to talk about it without being so uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel like we need to step it up in that arena, whether it's just like uh, as a general society or in schools or families, parents, like Mm -hmm. just, you know, having those, that clear education. Um, Because like you said, yeah, like these rates of STDs and, uh, teen pregnancy or unwanted pregnancies and just people just not knowing their bodies. Like I get countless mm-hmm. messages from women who are like, I didn't know about like ovulation or having a fertile window or yeah. any of those things. And, and I'm like, like, it just blows my mind because I was there too. Yeah. And the yeah, access to birth yeah, control, not, like, not knowing. yeah, it's accessible mm-hmm. now, but we don't know the effects of it. A lot of the time when, you know, I was put on birth control, mm-hmm. I think the age of 12 had no idea how it wow. worked, what it did. Um, and it was for my painful periods at the time. And then later on life, mm-hmm. it was, you know, useful as well. But it was also one of those things where it's like, why aren't we discussing how it works for not only your body, but then with 
you know, like I, I feel like women will be taking antibiotics for like a UTI and they don't know that it cancels out their birth control. Little things like that, that mm-hmm. just, it can really impact your life, aka getting pregnant. <laughs> but then yeah. also not having access to things like abortions in specifically the US. Mm-hmm. Like it's a whole thing that yeah. a lot of people don't want to talk about, but they're harsh realities and they're things that can impact women's lives. But a lot of men, yeah, they have the responsibility, but they don't have a fetus growing inside them. So. It's not the same. <laughs> It is not yeah, the same. Not the same. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> and it impacts every, it impacts so many people too. And it's people that like, they, they probably know so many people that have had to experience that and they don't even realize it. Again, no one yeah. talks about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've been really Shoot. deep diving into kind of like older TV shows like Mad Men, who's, which is based in the 1960s and things like that. And I've been loving mm-hmm. how they kind of dissect like things that how things were in that time, um, but also trying mm-hmm. to compare it with how things are today. It's actually scary because it's not all that different. And you would think in, mm-hmm. you know, that much time, things would be a little bit better. So just the way that it impacts even a woman's confidence um, about her body in in her sexual experiences, in dating, in love, marriage, all those things are all interconnected. And I think we kind of compartmentalize those topics because some are mm-hmm. deemed as worthy to talk about openly and others are, you know, deemed as taboo. So I think it's a really weird thing to navigate, but I've really made it my mission to use my platform to open the conversation and hopefully, if anything, like teach someone something or entertain them or, you know, hopefully them feel something maybe, oh, that's normal. Like I, I hadn't heard anyone talk about that before, you know, kind of be that kind of big sister role that maybe I, mm-hmm. I'm i the oldest in the family. So maybe the one that I didn't have kind of thing, that good role model for yeah. things that are normal for you to experience and feel. And yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that your goal is just, yeah, to be that resource or that place where people can go and have that open conversation and get information that is valid and and real. Yes. And people like you who have been able to have on where, you know, I don't know much about birth control and how it works still, even with like, I have experienced endometriosis for years and has dealt with that in the medical industry, but I still don't really understand the science around things. So having you on and be able to Mm -hmm. open that conversation and get experts like that, who can, you know, maybe if I can't speak on it myself, I can bring people on who know more than I do to, you know, also bring that information in, in a way that's fun and not so scary to enter. It's mm-hmm. not a web MD page. It's a podcast that keeps it a little light and, you know, flirty yeah, without being, yeah, approachable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so I am really jealous of your what you went to school for because I think that would is just amazing. Like I know every conversation that we've had, we've we can like go for hours and talk about so many different things. Um, <laughs> so what is one of the most like eye opening things that you had learned uh, in in your studies that you didn't know about before, or no one mm-hmm. had talked to you about? That's a hard one. I, it's crazy because actually when I chose my intro to women's studies course, it was a full year course and. I had a friend who was from Cambridge and she was in a, 
she was in her third year of MIT, which I was going to Western originally for, and I double majored in it. Um, and she helped me choose my first year classes. And she said, you know what? Like one of your electives, you should take intro to women's studies. It's such a good course. And I actually said out loud, I don't want to be in a room full of feminists not knowing at all what that meant and if you you know know me today I have a literally a feminist based podcast um my whole world is like feminism you know it's shaped everything between my world and values um so to break down one thing that's really shocked me is kind of hard I would say as like an overall the way that um especially in first year, you learn about intersectionality, which is looking at the multiple layers of oppression that one can experience in a life. So kind of the way that race, class, sex, gender, sexual orientation, all of those things can impact your experience. And it doesn't, it doesn't um, mean like it's kind of hard to dissect if you don't know what it means, but it's kind of just looking at all those things. So, you know, you may be experiencing oppression because you are a woman, but if you're, you know, straight, white and middle class, you might have a different experience than a black woman who's lower class and lesbian, things like that. So um, just seeing those multiple ways of oppression, I always thought I knew about how about the injustices in the world I guess but looking at it like broke down by how all these things intersect and how they can really inform your experience and the way that there's actual like structural institutions that perpetuate like structural racism and violence um, Mm -hmm. was mind-blowing to me and I every time I go back to those thoughts like every time I resort back to intersectionality in anything I look at, it always shocks me, even though I've been doing this for four years. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's definitely lot, something yeah. that um, I think the idea of like the angry feminist, it's kind of a trope that people have kind of created. But when you mm-hmm. are mind, when your mind is open to these topics, it's kind of hard not to be angry. And I think also using like with the podcast I'm trying to kind of make that anger okay because for so many women we're not allowed to show that anger and we do actually have a lot to be angry about and (laughs) weirdly enough (laughs) so you know I kind of as much as I like to keep things approachable I think that those feelings are also really important because there are a lot of injustice in the world they're quite heartbreaking and you know it wouldn't be such a thing if it weren't if the you know rates weren't skyrocketing but things like sexual violence and all those things just continue to increase so I think that seeing not only the history but then the current situation of it at an intersectional approach would be the biggest mind-boggling thing but that also is like a whole can of worms (laughs) I hope that breaks it down for you Yeah, I feel like every person, honestly, in society should learn about that at some point in their life because it just allows you to have more empathy for other people and just to be aware because we kind of get caught up in our own little bubble of like, like, you know, me being, you know, a a middle class white woman. um, I know that I already have privilege um, compared to other women. Um, which is something that you don't really think about all the time, oh my God, um, but it really puts yep. things into perspective. 
Mm-hmm. I always thought I knew what white privilege yeah, was. Powerful. And then taking uh-huh. actually my MIT like double major actually helped with that too, because of the way that um, kind of media informs our knowledge of race as well. Like the racial stereotypes that are perpetuated in or in media um, mm-hmm. also affects the way that, you know, specifically white people don't have to think about their race. So Mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked and then being a double major in women's studies and seeing how they intersect it was just crazy to me and it also made me feel so guilty for a lot of you know just growing up so ignorant but if you don't have the conversations like accessible a lot of the books that are about these quote-unquote taboo topics are also not in school libraries they're not always like Mm -hmm. the first thing you see at a bookstore so it's kind of funny that you almost have to go searching for these answers where I I really do wish that they integrated these topics more actually at a younger age so that we can I think they're beginning to be become more progressive but I think it can Mm -hmm. really shape the next generation's way of interacting with one another and cultivating community Mm -hmm. yes for sure Definitely. Um, And I know growing up, there's a huge double standard um, when it comes to sex and men and women and how we're treated or, you know, how we're talked about in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So what exactly is slut shaming? And, you know, I know that's kind of like the basis of your podcast or your first episodes, you were really talking about that. So what exactly is it? So I guess to break down slut shaming, we have to talk about what the definition of a slut is. And we don't have a definition we have a cultural understanding of what a slut is but there's really no definition and this cultural understanding of a slut is typically pointing to a woman Um, it's never just a person in general it's always a woman who's openly expressing her sexuality and it typically suggests that it's someone who sleeps with a lot of people but there's no way of measuring that it's you know the questions I kind of ask is like is a slut someone who sleeps with numerous people over the course of their lifetime? Is it in a span of time? Can you be a slut in a monogamous relationship? Like, there's just no way of defining it. It's just this cultural understanding to demonize women for expressing their sexuality. So when it comes to the shame part of that, it's not only like the, you know, understanding of what a slut is and how it's already shameful in its nature, but also the way that we even discuss in language like women and what they do if you think of like I don't know think of a frat house and the way that they talk about like Becky over the weekend it's not just about you know oh Becky did this with this this and this guy it's very like she's such a slut usually the word whore comes in like it's very demonizing and Mm -hmm. shameful it's trying to Mm-hmm. knock down a person for their like morals and values it's actually trying to make someone less of a person and that's where mm-hmm. it goes beyond calling someone a name it's quite actually harmful and that's where slut shaming comes in mm-hmm. wow okay thank you for explaining all that um yeah I feel like if you look at just society and even like if you watch movies like you see it all the time you don't even really realize that it's happening we just become so like accustomed to it that's how Mm -hmm. men talk about women or um I don't know it's just it blows my mind to like just that we accept that guys can do this and it's okay 
but then there's names, there's labels for women that act the same way. Oh yeah. Like I think of I even can't get over that. Um, like sex ed growing up where they would split the boys from the girls and the way that the mm-hmm. boys would learn about like, you know, don't have sex, don't get a girl pregnant, but here's a bunch of condoms. And then yeah. girls would learn about, you know, their period and all the potential harms and risks that are associated with sex. Mm-hmm. And then here are a bunch of condoms. But the double standard mm-hmm. is so different. If a woman gets pregnant yeah. or, you know, catches an STD, there is such a different stigma surrounding her experience where if you know chad Mm -hmm. from the football team contracts chlamydia oh you were getting it in like the language around it is just so different and that's the problem i have with it but it's also the way we learn about it at such a young age the media we consume it's always underlying and it's very hard to like disassociate from those ideas when they are so entrenched in our culture and society Mm -hmm. for sure yeah like you said it starts from a young age like we just kind of grow up thinking that this is the way it is and that you know that's it well I mean that's just how we're treated like the policing of girls bodies just at a young age in in schools Mm -hmm. like your shoulders are offensive to someone you know (laughs) Um, your shorts you have to get like the measuring stick out and yeah and like (laughs) I remember being called a hooch at like the I think I was in like grade three or four I was wearing a v-neck that had tinkerbell on it and heaven forbid I had d-sized boobs at the time because I just I developed so at such a young age I was like 11 and had like full d-tits (laughs) <laughs> sorry I don't know if you oh can say that on here. <laughs> and I remember my friend teacher pulling me to the side and said you look like a hooch don't wear this shirt again and your teacher said that to you yes she pulled me wow. to the side to tell me that I look like a slut uh you know the age of I don't even know how old I was like 10 or 11 or something and you're so little <laughs> she sexualized me before I even knew what sex was like I didn't even know. Yeah, like you were just harmless. You're just living your life. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually insane. And it it sticks out so like greatly in my head because of the way that Mm -hmm. I grew up feeling so shameful about, you know, the size of my boobs because they were being so sexualized rather than them just being like Mm -hmm. a normal part of your body and development and that awkward. Just like like your arm or anything. Exactly. And yes, like boobs, you know, essentially if you think of what they're like, purpose it's mm-hmm. for like feeding babies <laughs> you know yeah so yeah, the way that they're sexualized <laughs> especially with a young girl like that can you can really internalize yeah. that slut shame even though I w- didn't even know what a penis looked like like it was so outrageous wow. and that's what I uh. it all points to that similar definition of this you know quote-unquote slut but even the way that you know like as a feminist it's hard for me to love rap music and hear the way that a lot of women are spoken about, but it's also kind of that guilty pleasure as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's hard because we've, that's just been like our lifestyles that's been in society for so long. So it's hard to yeah. break away I from that. I myself like talking about a woman be like, Oh, she's slutty. 
like it's like I'm like what did I just say like what does that even mean why do I why do I like how do I even define Mm -hmm. that she was funny because she you know whatever talk to your boyfriend like it's just even Mm -hmm. the way that we've communicate with our friends I'll no matter what Mm -hmm. my purpose in life is like my whole mission with this podcast is to talk about these things yet I even find myself succumbing to the things that I was taught and Mm -hmm. it's a very hard thing to really like shred those layers off your subconscious I guess yeah it takes time I mean we've this has been going on in society for you know forever so yeah it takes time um on that topic of trying to like get break away from all of those different layers and and all those things that we've kind of had ingrained in us like what can we do to move away from that and create more equal equality when it comes to women and men and sex and how we talk and treat each other yeah um I think as far as kind of becoming more comfortable as a society I think we need to know how our beliefs around sex is informed and the amount of religious and medical influence that it does have in the way we think of things um, is kind of, it's a tricky one to navigate because, you know, I'm not personally super religious, but some people are, Um, but we have to kind of understand those things as a society and understand how they're informed to be able to, move towards any kind of kind of sex positive ways of thinking um Mm -hmm. so I think navigating those taboos and kind of banishing those stigmas then we can create those discussions and over time we can kind of get to a place where it's a little bit more judgment free and Mm -hmm. the biggest answer would be to create a political movement to get it integrated into education but the big kind of feminist question is who's the right educator to teach those things? You know, we have like Mm -hmm. gym educators who are teaching sex ed who have maybe taken an hour course and are teaching kids at young ages about these things. So it's kind of tricky, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's kind of the necessary steps to be able to figure out what our beliefs around sex, even how they even begin. And then, you know, kind of disrupt those ways of thinking Mm -hmm. so it's almost like it has to start in like start in the home or start with your own family maybe yeah I don't know I think like I don't know it's hard if I were to give like actual tangible pieces of advice you know less on a broader scale I think just starting conversations within your own circles whether that is your family or your friends like just girlfriends you know when you're at happy hour rather than Mm -hmm. I don't know, like bring up something like something kind of maybe that would be a little bit more taboo and mm-hmm. see how, you know, one reacts. And then, I don't know, I think we have to kind of be patient. Like for me, I can't assume everyone has the same outlook as I do on these topics. So mm-hmm. I have to be a little bit more willing to and more patient to listen and learn from where they come from and what understandings they have around sex and whatever, and then see how we can kind of get to a place where we can open that conversation and actually discuss rather than it doesn't need to be any kind of like political debate. I think we can really Mm -hmm. connect with one another, no matter what your, you know, like religious backgrounds are or political differences. Mm -hmm. 
and just be able to be like, you know, how do you feel in the bedroom? Do you feel confident? Do you, are you like receiving pleasure when you are with your boyfriend? You know, something like that, that it can be kind of uncomfortable at first, but over time, I think that's the way to destigmatize these quote unquote taboo topics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just basically just talking about it more. Yeah. that's I, I mean, when it comes to men, I struggle with because there's so many other layers there. Um, the biggest term, I guess, to describe that would be toxic masculinity, which kind of just breaks down how men are raised mm-hmm. to be men and real men. And our ideal form of masculinity is something that they're always striving to achieve. And it's not the women that are actually demanding this. It's other men. Like, they're really... Um, we're really raising a lot of young boys to um, fit into these examples that their older peers and coaches and fathers kind of raise for them. So when it like when we think of masculinity, we actually think of all these things of like what it means to be a man is to like you know be strong, make money, get women, get pussy, whatever. Like those kind of that language is so mm-hmm. prominent. So when we think of how to, mm-hmm. you know, erase that double standard with men, it's actually a lot trickier. And I don't think I've actually figured out a big potential because there's so many layers there. But I think mm-hmm. just urging the men in your life to speak a little differently or, you know, just get them to question something. You know, if they suggest mm-hmm. a woman is easy what does that, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean by she's easy? Cause you slept with her on the first date. Like, what does that look like? I think just kind of asking those little bit of mm-hmm. analytical questions might even get them to do their own deeper thinking. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's very it's like difficult. I think, I think because I am a woman and I have lots of girlfriends, it's easier for me to point to like what you can do with your girlfriends but when it comes to the men in your life it's kind of hard because I wouldn't have understood how men are raised and you know the idea of toxic masculinity if it weren't for my academic background so like for the Mm -hmm. average woman I think that's a very confusing topic a great resource Mm -hmm. is Lewis Howe's book on masculinity um he actually started out like you know if you want to understand the men in your life this is a great book kind of thing so that's kind of a way of like thinking of it but I think just yeah opening the conversation and also like if you're in a heterosexual relationship like talk about what you like don't always just succumb to what they like because a lot of the time we think of sex we think of like the man's pleasure and I think that's a really great mm-hmm. way to kind of just open that conversation in general that was a really long mm-hmm. answer <laughs> I hope that that no it's sense. really good though <laughs> it does honestly and I I agree with all of that, like opening up the conversation, being more open, just talking about what you enjoy, what you like, and not leaving it all up to the man or, you know, other partner. Yeah, like we always have these memes of like, right, like men saying like, you know, they'll, whatever, you'll have sex for a few minutes, like aka penetration. And then he'll be like, did you come? And we have men who are (laughs) full grown men who don't understand a female orgasm and like no they don't I want to say it's mind-boggling but is it like of course they wouldn't know because 
it's for one, it's a little bit more complicated than a male orgasm, no but them. also no one talks about it. Mm-hmm. You didn't learn it in yeah. school. So really, how would they know um, unless a woman t- doesn't tell them? And it's crazy how yeah. like women mm-hmm. in their 30s have so much better sex than they did in their, you know, whatever, like earlier stages because they didn't know how mm-hmm. to discuss those things. They didn't even know. A lot of women don't even have their first yeah. orgasm until I think the age of 25. So it's wow. like you're like 10 years behind of a 15 year old boy masturbating in his, <laughs> his bedroom like it's a very yeah. wow that is insane very drastic difference yeah very very yeah honestly it's I feel like and a lot of women I even talk to too they're like I don't even know all of like the anatomy of like my own body and I'm like okay we need to change this right <laughs> because we everyone needs to be educated about this doesn't matter yeah. who you are everyone needs to like what's easier to, you know, deny female pleasure than to not be able to name the number one part of what receives mm-hmm. pleasure? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, clitoris, clit, um, yeah. mm-hmm. if we don't talk about that part of your anatomy, like, of course, you're not going to know what it does because you don't even know what it is. Yeah. So it's just yeah. a crazy... Like there's so many layers to our understandings of these things. And a lot of women are suffering because they don't understand, like some women just mm-hmm. don't like sex because they've never received pleasure at all. And they don't know their own yeah. body. So it's, it's hard. And I think yeah. with our like traditional understandings of marriage where kind of sex is just expected, I think mm-hmm. it's kind of, it creates a little bit of discomfort, excuse me, in the kind of ways mm-hmm. marriage is navigated as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, On the topic of just opening the conversation and sharing all this, have you found that uh, with all the knowledge that you've learned and everything, has it been hard on certain relationships to bring up these topics or uh, has it caused any issues with people? Definitely. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I feel like I'm, you know, getting into debates all the time. But I think for me... And I say, you know, you don't have to get into a political debate, but here I am doing so. And the reason I say that is because, like, what these, you know, all this education and knowledge has informed me, it shapes now my beliefs and values so much that people who, you know, think a certain way, it doesn't, I don't deem them as bad people. I just, there are certain things that are very non-negotiables for me. And if we don't have similar values, I don't know that like our relationship will be able to thrive in whatever relationship that is like friendship, family members, Mm -hmm. romantic, whatever. If we don't have those Mm -hmm. same values or even if if you don't even have an open mind to learn, I think it's going to create, you know, a serious barrier because that is like my life's work like that is this is what I'm passionate about so if Mm -hmm. someone's not willing to even try to learn I think it definitely creates tension and the way that Mm -hmm. I navigate it is always different like if it comes up in family discussions um I feel like we all have that like one racist uncle so I feel like it kind of goes in that same way of like oh the one Trump supporter like it's very similar to those conversations Thanksgiving was really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I love family (laughs) get-togethers. I think it's so funny because families, like, we always know that these topics, like, 
you know, there's certain topics you shouldn't talk about. You know, it's going to like mm-hmm. get people all worked up, but that always happens at every family. It's always going to come up. And dinner. if it doesn't come up, I'm probably going to bring it up. <laughs> I love to start. It will be talked about. Like, I don't know. I think I, I thrive in that chaos sometimes. It's just sometimes like, I think if you also, if your family's really different, like personally, my family dynamic, I feel like I don't, totally always connect with everybody just because of what I'm into um mm-hmm. I almost like to stir the pot a little just to like not only like try to create the conversation but also like sometimes it's a little entertaining um but a lot of the times like most of my family members I'd say have come around to like different ways of thinking and or they'll because I brought something up you know mm-hmm. at a certain whatever dinner they'll like ask me later about something like they'll they'll I almost build that bridge to become the person to ask a question if they're kind of because it can be really uncomfortable to acknowledge what you don't know and Mm -hmm. acknowledge your ignorance in a topic Mm -hmm. so I always try to approach it nicely in the sense Mm -hmm. of like I don't want someone to just if they ask a question I don't want them to assume that oh my god this is a stupid question she's just gonna like ring me out for this you know I think that you have to build that bridge to be able Mm -hmm. to open up the conversation but there's also a level of like ignorance that if you're not even willing to learn they're probably not even asking the questions like it's just a really weird thing to navigate as far as dating goes I have very specific things because it's like you can't get around that (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and even in like casual relationships if I always tell like all my friends on a first date ask the guy what his views are on abortion because even if you're not looking mm-hmm. to marry him you know if you get pregnant what is his, what are his views or is he pro-choice yeah. is he pro-life like what is that it's going to affect you if that case happens mm-hmm. so it's just the little things that like I think you know they matter in certain contexts but especially in romantic things like you've got to be quite mm-hmm. specific on what you care about because it can come up down the road and specifically in like mm-hmm. legal things with kids and <laughs> you know yeah, it gets discussions messy. around that <laughs> yeah like it, it really does and I, I don't think anyone likes yeah. to talk about it because yeah it's not hot but yeah. you you know it's, it can it's affect important. you yeah yeah, I feel like people live in this like world of like, oh, it's not never going to happen to me. They just don't believe it. But it's like, if it can happen to this person, it can happen to you. It can happen to anyone. Yeah, and I think like, Honestly. I'd say with my friends, it's they've been all very open-minded about like my views and stuff. But I think I've helped them consider the unsexy topics like being protected during sex. And like, you know, if you mm-hmm. are you know experiencing like multiple partners what you need to do not only Mm -hmm. for like avoiding pregnancy but also avoiding contracting any STDs and stuff like that um because because we don't learn about Mm -hmm. things properly we also don't know how to communicate with our partner especially if it's a new partner about those um things and it's a very uncomfortable situation to navigate Mm -hmm. so I'd say like that's probably the mm-hmm. number one thing I've brought up with my girlfriends just to make sure that they are staying yeah. safe and taking care of mm-hmm. their body because I don't want to, you know yeah. them to be harmed yeah yeah that's that's so nice of you and then I mean I know it's for a lot of people that's uncomfortable to talk about and like you said like you have to have these uncomfortable conversations at the beginning of your relationship with 
someone, even if it's like you're not serious yet or whatever it may be, yeah. because these things can down the road, these can this can affect your health for the rest of your life, right? Of course, yeah. And it can I, be it's just like a big deal. It's so funny how mm-hmm. we've shaped our understandings of these conversations. You know, like asking a new partner when the last time you've been tested, mm-hmm. because there's such a stigma around it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, which stigma is mm-hmm. worth asking about when the last time you've been tested or the stigma around STDs? Like, you know, what? Yeah, calling them up saying, yep. I what conversation <laughs> is worse to have? So that's the way I look at yeah. it. And a lot of people don't like that. But it's just like, you have to ask those questions because yeah. it can seriously affect your life and health. And um, mm-hmm. I mean... It's not all solo responsibility because obviously depending on your geographical location, the resources that you have access to can also determine how you navigate that experience. But either way, like at least if we're thinking of Ontario, Canada, there are quite, you know, amounts of resources and places to go to access those whatever sources and help and whatever you need any information like there are people there it's just kind of knowing where Mm -hmm. to find them and knowing that it's important to go seek those resources out if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah and not not feel ashamed or god yeah like it's it's not planned parenthood in canada but Mm -hmm. it's those similar resources like you should be able to go and ask your doctor for a Mm -hmm. screening without any explanation and yeah it, it's the same as the rest of our health right it's it shouldn't be treated any different exactly and I think it's actually kind of crazy the way doctors still navigate that situation but that's like a whole other podcast episode <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah there's yeah, a you do a whole few hours about that <laughs> well, just, yeah like I I know personally I remember one time asking my doctor for it and they were just like do you like have you had any symptoms like they kind of got concerned and I'm like no I'm just checking in Mm -hmm. making sure you know I just said I'm just doing my checkup and they're like oh okay and I'm like Mm -hmm. well yeah I'd rather be preventative than reactive like (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to wait for symptoms to be able to go do this so it's things like that but yeah it's super uncomfortable to talk about but do you Mm -hmm. care about your health do you care about the person you are sleeping with like things like that Mm -hmm. are really important conversations to navigate especially on this platform when you're talking about women's health right and fertility and all those things all of them can all of those can affect your not only your health but unless mm-hmm. diseases can affect your fertility so it's also like yeah. so so important <laughs> for sure I yeah. that was something I learned about in school and I didn't really think about it because again like no one teaches you that and uh, I was kind of like blown away I'm like wow so you can have these like you could have some sort of disease that you've contracted that you no symptoms mm-hmm. and then when you decide to want to get pregnant you're like oh you have pelvic inflammatory disease or you know whatever it may be mm-hmm. and yep. it's like wow like if that having that lack of education um lack of resources uh can lead to that down the road so that's why it's i love that you have your platform and it's a huge message that i'd want to put out too that you know don't feel embarrassed it's the exact same as just going to get a regular checkup or if you have a cold or if you have you know whatever illness yeah. like it's all the same it is and I wish Mm -hmm. like I think that a lot of it's a very racialized thing too like um the way that like for example black bodies are kind of stereotyped um in that context versus like a white body it's very 
because the like a racialized body is already kind of seen as deviant and um a lot of people a lot of there's still a lot of like structural assumptions there so um statistics show that like racialized bodies are more are less likely to not get regular testing so it's also things like that where you know if they're already feeling uncomfortable in the medical industry then it does create a barrier for them to even get checked and then if they do contract something it's even more not only like embarrassing but like shameful for those people because their stereotype is already pointing to that direction so it's just there's a lot of layers and it breaks my heart that we don't talk about this but I also wouldn't know Mm -hmm. any of this if it weren't for my education and obviously I'm in a privileged position just to have that and I'm very grateful I stumbled into like the average person has no idea not at all no and like I've actually we talk about taboo and I've actually kind of strayed away from these really like gritty topics because obviously you want a podcast to be liked but the whole purpose of the podcast is to dive into these things that no one talks about so I'm finally busting my own but to get into the gritty you know get into the things that people don't want to talk about because I've Mm -hmm. just explained in this you know podcast all the reasons it's important Mm -hmm. so I almost have to take my own advice Mm -hmm. as well and continue that work because the more I talk about it, the more I remember how important it is and how passionate it, I am about it for people to know this information. It's still, it like, it amazes me. A lot of people don't know any of this and mm-hmm. the way that it can actually be detrimental to your life and health. And yeah, I just, I want everyone to be safe and have fun. <laughs> I love that. I love that message. Um, so I have been asking my guests at the end of the podcast, two resources or takeaways or two actionable things that the listeners can do right now. So what are two things that they can do or a resource that they can go to so that they can create more of like a sex positive space or world for them or, um, improve that relationship with themselves and their partner? Ooh, I love this. Um, I would say for any women less listening, I would encourage you to try masturbating um and getting to know your own body and what makes you feel good um as we've talked about in this podcast a lot of people don't know what actually they like and I would urge you to use this beautiful quarantine to (laughs) find out what (laughs) that is um and then for any if any men are listening I would ask actually urge you to if you're straight ask your female partner what she likes and what she wants I think that 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 is like something that a lot of men are missing in conversations around sex and I think that would be a very um rewarding experience is what I want to call it and the second thing I would say as far as a resource goes I think the ethical slut I can't think of the authors but it's called the ethical slut it's a book about um many of these topics and the way that we think of sex it's a really great digestible resource that anyone can pick up and gain a lot of the knowledge that I'm kind of pulling from amazing thank you so much for sharing all of that I will definitely need to get that that book it's my favorite it really is it's 
like the best resource for anyone. I'm everyone gets one copy for Christmas. All my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a staple in every household. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Everyone's got it on their coffee table now. <laughs> coffee table read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I would love if you could pimp yourself out. Tell us where we can find you online, your podcast, all of that. I would love that. Thank you. My podcast is called Strategic Slut. It's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, you can find me on Instagram personally at the not so average betch, betch with an E. Um, and then my podcast for, or sorry, the Instagram podcast is at Strategic Slut Podcast as well. And we have a website and other things coming soon, but that will all be announced on my Instagram as well. That's exciting. Yes, we're making moves during this quarantine. <laughs> now that I'm done school, I can actually really dive deep into this podcast and making this platform what I've been make what I've been envisioning. So mm-hmm. getting a lot of my time and energy finally. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, that's amazing. Four years of university has sucked up a lot of time, so I'm ready to dive yeah. deep into the passion. Yeah. Oh, well, I cannot wait for more episodes and I can't wait to watch everything that you do. Oh, it's thank you great. so much. I love your podcast and I'm so happy you're on. And guys, if you're listening, please check out Gabby's episode on mine. I think it was episode mm-hmm. number three. It was like one of the first few that I did. Um, we talked about so many important topics on that yeah, one as that well. Great. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that insight and just planting the seed with my audience and just opening the conversation. I appreciate that. Of course. I hope someone learned something. And if you didn't, I hope you guys were entertained. <laughs> I'm sure they were. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you enjoyed it, I would so appreciate if you could leave a rating and review and share it with any friends or loved ones that you think would uh, benefit from it. So new episodes are coming out every Monday and all of the links and info will be down in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.